hear this tone your podcast is recording we we should we should make our living off of being like that voice and like record like someone needs to have that job where they you know say who that. follows me on twitter is the voice of siri are you serious yeah that, that happened a while ago um emily jason your chicago cubs oh my god they kind of won the world series they won the world series i know and I know no one was more excited than you were that the Cubs are in the World Series. I know. It was literally the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, at this point, I guess it'll kind of be old news, but I live... Uh, no, no, in- no, no. The Cubs winning the World Series is going to be the best thing that happens in Chicago for the next 50, 60, probably 108 years. I'm seriously curious to see how tourism like changes around here afterwards. Mm. But anyway, yeah, I live in I live in Wrigleyville. I can see the lights of the stadium from my little studio. So I uh, I've been gone. I've couch surfed. Well, I stayed on the same couch, but I've been gone for the last week pretty much because Cubs madness is insane. They tore down a freaking uh, uh, traffic light. Really? Yes. Gosh. Mania. Hooligans. But then I had to, but so then it like kind of followed me though because I worked downtown and the parade was downtown. And so uh, my work is like two blocks from where like the whole rally happened. And getting to work in existing downtown was so loud. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It was insane. Um, Yeah. So I've been avoiding it as much as possible, but it's really hard to avoid. Well, it's like, what? So that was like two weeks ago when we were recording this. It's died down by now, right? Maybe only um, No, today was still crazy. Yeah? Yeah, no, I, I had to think about it. No, today was still crazy. Um, I think people are still excited to be around, but also, like, downtown is still, like, full of people, and one of the players was signing stuff across the street from my work. Mm. So, like, I got to work, and there was a line around the Macy's. Like, no. completely. At, like, 9 in the morning. Like, people had slept there, and everyone was in... It was insane. I think the worst part of any city is the people who are, like, there to... Like, as tourists. Complete... Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so snobby, because, like, we're all tourists somewhere, but I try to not we're be so bad. We're all tourists on the journey of life. But, yeah. Um, Teresa no, and I, I try not to be the worst, though. Teresa and I were walking somewhere, uh, and we had to walk through Times Square, and we walked, like, five or six blocks out of our way to make sure we didn't have to do that. Because it'll add... And, like, honestly... We walked, you know, an extra half a mile, but we probably saved 30 minutes because they walk so slowly because everyone's yeah. looking up and taking pictures. Um, and people take pictures of the stupidest things. Like, when, yeah. will you, when will you ever watch a 30-second video of the, tr- of the Flatiron building? You're never going to watch that video, so why are you taking it? Yeah. It makes me mad. Um, no, it's obnoxious. Obnoxious. Speaking of obnoxious. There we go. You picked it up. Segway straight into the documentary. This week, we watched the exciting tale of Foxy Noxie herself, Amanda Knox, straight off the flicks, brand new documentary. 
it's still it's still hot to the touch. You hold it up to your face. Uh, you feel the flame. So quick, let's let's do a quick rundown. My favorite murder style of um, <laughs> what the situation is. Basically, right. a man in ox. Yep. Twenty years old. Yep. Goes to Italy. Studies abroad, finding herself. She's in, there to find herself. In the beautiful town of Perugia. Thank um, you for saying it. I will not be saying it. No, you'll get there. Um, That's going to be great. Dates a guy for a week and finds her roommate dead in her apartment. And is uh, convicted of murdering her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an important detail. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, in Italy. He's convicted Italy. of murdering her in Italy. This documentary takes picks us up like mm, six years later, seven years later, eight years later, maybe even uh, after the yeah. trial has gone all over the place, uh, become an international sensation, and we get to meet Amanda Knox herself and a bunch of the key players, and we uh, kind of are given a just like a a view of the situation. Um, yeah. Okay. Going into this conversation, I already know both of us, t- like, combined have watched this documentary eight to ten times. True. That uh, is true. Not an exaggeration. Today no. alone, I watched <laughs> it three times. Um, I'm so glad that you get obsessive, too. Like, it feels okay, but good, so, doesn't so, it? So what is it, what is it for you about a documentary like this that, like, hooks you? Um, honestly, like, she is so interesting to me. It's kind of her. Amanda. And like, yeah, Amanda Knox. Because they come at this this story from a lot of different angles. But she, her character and her reactions to things and how she processes things like come into question a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her reactions, I feel, are reactions that I would have and ways that I would handle the same situation. So there's a point in the documentary where she, there's a phone call um, between yeah. her and her friend uh, and... There's a specific line that Amanda Knox says, which every time I'm like, holy shit, that's Emily. Uh, the, the friend, and it's like, it's just like the way she says, it. I don't know, the friend says, um, they're talking about the boyfriend, Raffaele, and the, the friend says, is he hot? And in her perfect Emily Toby voice, she just goes, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's, that's Emily Toby. Yeah. And I can see, that's for so like I know for me the reason why I get obsessed with a documentary like this is I can so easily place myself in her situation yeah or like you know place you in her situation and be like this could literally happen to anyone yeah and I mean just like certain traits that they like pick on like at one point they um I think it was the Italian police chief mm-hmm. I, I yeah um he brought up her like problem with authority and how she was like kind of a smart ass. And it's like, I do that at work every day. Like if I don't like the authority person, like I am going to give you so much sass and like, I can't help it. Like I don't respect you. And like, I think this is stupid. Also, she's 20 years old, right? Yeah, exactly. Every 20 year old (laughs) will act that way to authority, especially. Okay. I'm sorry. Like I know you're supposed to respect police, yada, yada, yada. But when you've been wrongfully accused of murder, like you don't have to be their best friend. Yeah. That's uh, a, that's, Police tip number one from Jason today. You don't have to be their best friend if you're wrongfully accused of murder. Yeah. Well, and that was, I don't know. I guess we should maybe, like, each pick kind of a certain aspect that we want to dive into. Okay, so I do want to talk. I want to talk. There's two characters that, like, I want to talk about. 
And right. one of them one of them is the police chief. So maybe we yes. start with him. Okay. Um, one of the things that struck me most about him, so I watched this with Teresa, uh, and she like immediately was like, he's a he's a villainous character, right? And yeah. one of the things that that was most interesting for me about him is his kind of um, strict moral code. Um, everything he's doing, he thinks he's being like the best police chief there could be. He yeah. thinks he's this like arbiter of justice. He thinks he's. Um, you know, saving Italy uh, in a way. Uh, and it's interesting to watch someone do all of these terrible, make all these terrible choices for like good reasons almost for, or, or at least for, for, for four reasons, having justifications for his, uh, for his actions. Okay. So I know I've watched this a lot and I'm still fuzzy at the end. Does he still f- truly feel like he's right? Yeah. Like he still he still thinks that she did it like a hundo. Yeah. So okay. he he still completely believes he does does it, and by the end she did it, and by the end he kind of says something like, um, you know, if she is innocent, and like, uh, obviously she suffered enough for her actions, but if she's guilty, like God will, uh, punish her in the end. Um, okay. But he, yeah. he he talks so poetically about the difference between good and evil and how everyone has a place on this earth and like his place on this earth is to stomp out evil and he sees Amanda Knox uh as a as evil yeah um, i mean one of the first word like lines that he says is i'm a catholic right like one of the first things that you find out about him i'm serious he's like i'm a catholic exactly so he is totally driven by that immediately you know, right, wrong, sinners, non-sinners, victims, like, immediately. It's also, I mean, he so clearly thinks of himself as, like, the Catholic Sherlock Holmes. Like, yeah, the, you know what I mean? Where it's, like, a, a, this combination of, like, uh, just the facts detective work and also, like, philosophical, spiritual intuition. Um, yeah. The big, the big one for me, the thing that, like, stands out in terms of, like, this guy thinks he's Sherlock Holmes is the blanket, right? So uh, Meredith, the roommate who was murdered, is found covered, is naked uh, and found covered by a blanket. Uh, and the detective explains uh, with this kind of smirk on his face, you know, like, I'm so smart, uh, that only a woman murderer would think to cover a body with a blanket. That it's, it's an act yeah. of, of modesty or, or whatever. There was some crazy gender bias going on in, like, what he was saying. It was shocking to me that, like, what he was saying was credible enough for them to, like, interrogate her as a son. You know what I mean? Like... Absolutely. That was nuts to me. But, like, at this point, here's what I don't understand, and this is kind of a spoiler, but, like, there's a third person convicted of doing this, and he's... um, He's been convicted of, like, robbery before, armed robbery before. Um, And he was clearly involved, and he was um, found guilty. So I don't understand. And that guy, to me, kind of makes sense. And she says this at one point. She's like, why do you look back at me when it's clear, like, this guy has a record? Why don't you just assume that it's him? So I don't understand why the Italian police chief was so hung up on on their involvement when they had a perfectly good 
someone, you know what I mean? Someone in the documentary, one of the like um, the independent investigators quotes Cicero, which also like fuck Italians, but like quotes Cicero, <laughs> uh, and it's, and he says, you know, um, any man is liable to make mistakes, but only a fool uh, continues on. Like at, after his mistakes, like he knows he's made a mistake, um, and it's this thing. And you hear, it, especially if if you if you listen to like true crime podcasts, like I do so often, like you hear it all the time. Where it's like police and investigators have this confirmation bias, and once they know who the person is who did it, you know, no in quotation marks, they're yeah. gonna find the facts that prove that. Um, and in Amanda Knox's case, those facts end up being so fucking convoluted right like not not only was it a sex crime it was a drug-fueled sex crime with two basic strangers who she convinces to do this random sex crime um and murder this person she barely knows in cold blood over nothing over yeah just because um and And they made her believe that though like he made her which is crazy and did to this, me, uh, like, did this bring up shades of like Brendan Dassey for you at all? Oh, totally. I mean, and, and it's crazy because like I I do think that she's smart. She comes off to me as like an intelligent person. Yeah. And usually this kind of stuff works easier. Like Brendan Dassey has um his IQ is like seventy. So Brendan Dassey is um the kid from making, making a, a murderer. murderer. Yeah. I'm hoping there's like a follow-up to that, by the way, with everything <laughs> happening with him. So we'll come yeah. back to that. Um, but yeah, so it's like they just they pressure you so much. They were able to twist her mind into believing something and even being able to like re-see it happening. Right. Um, so that she gave like somewhat of a false confession. And I don't know where his moral line is on that, but to me, it's like you would have had to probably push pretty hard and long for her to like say that but you can also like sort of understand his like from his viewpoint right he's sitting across the table from someone who's either innocent or guilty he doesn't know yeah and they admit that they know who did it and they give you a name of a person who did it right she uh she says that uh the bartender patrick did it uh and like what reason would she have to lie either you're lying because you did it or you're lying or you're telling the truth um and also the other like thing for him that's like the the clue you know the, the the clear sign that she's telling the or that she's trying to move the situation away from her um, is that in that I guess in quotes lie about Patrick being the one who uh, committed the murder she's implicating herself right as a totally as an, as an accomplice so it's like well why would you lie like that unless of course the answer is. Because you don't know you're lying, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're being manipulated, but absolutely for me, that's like that was terrifying. Cause like, yeah. I'm smarter than Brendan Dassey. I don't know that I'm smarter than um, Amanda Knox. Yeah, and I mean, and I've watched enough documentaries that focus on like you know someone giving a bogus confession after being pressured. 
like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, like, if I was ever in that situation, like, I would know what they were doing, and I right. would just, like, be patient, and I would just, you know, like, in my mind, I'm going to be, like, super zen about it, mm-hmm. but then it's like, yeah, something like that breaks, I'm like, shit, what if they broke me, and <laughs> I just said something totally stupid, because I, like, needed to pee or something, I don't know. Well, and on top of it all, it's like, you know, I can, I'd love to, be- again, I like you, I'd love to believe that if I was in this situation, I would just totally own the legal system to be fine, but, like, right. what if I was in, you know, Perugia, you know? Like, that language barrier already is going to make things difficult. But also, like, you're thousands of miles away from your family. You're thousands of miles away from everything you've ever known. Like, how... I'm beyond impressed that she was able to survive any of this, right? Like, the fact that her Italian couldn't have been that good at the start. Um, Although, it kind of seemed pretty good. Um, I thought, you know what, I... I thought it sounded fluent and good, but I don't speak Italian, so so I, who am I to say? I don't. I, know. I I listened to the podcast today or to the documentary today a couple times, uh, so now I'm basically fluent in Italian, and I did yeah. actually I did find myself like hearing hearing lines and like rem- basically like remembering what the um, the caption had said when I watched it the first time, and right. I was like, I'm I'm basically fluent in Italian now. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. so that's, so that's forced confessions for you. They're fucking scary. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a legit, I don't know, cause I don't, I don't feel like I do things which would get me into this sort of trouble, but like, but what did she do? Stuff like this, exactly. Like this kind of shit happens all the time and it's like, yeah, but that might just happen. Okay. Not to, and not to victim blame, but she did do one thing, which I was like, that would never have happened to me and it wouldn't happen to Emily. She came home. She felt creeped out in her apartment, and she just went in the shower. She, oh no! I, that would be the last place I would go. Uh, that doesn't happen I, no. to me. If no. I if I walk into my apartment and I'm nervous about anything, I I do five laps before I before I do anything. I don't touch anything in case someone's been inside. I mean, yeah. like that was that was out of character for me. All right, I mean, I don't know her character, but that was weird. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and for me, with, with, like, germs and shit, like, like the blood just kind of casually there, and then, like, finding just someone's shit in the toilet, I would have freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I, w- I would have gone ape shit. I would have been like, I can't, I can't be in here. It's dirty. It's so dirty. Um, Real talk. Yeah. So, so the guy that I like, and I know I've made this, like, so clear to you. But the the British reporter, his name is is Nick it Nick Pisa? Nick Pisa. It's easy to remember because he's a Nick Pisa shit. <laughs> exactly, good one. Uh, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you continue. Before we get crazy. Wait, before before we before we throw this guy straight onto the fire, where which maybe is where he belongs. Um, I would like to. <laughs> I would like to say from the start that uh, since this documentary has come out. There's been a lot of like really hateful tweets that were sent at Nick piece of shit. Uh, and he had to leave Twitter, which as we know is a, should be a safe space for everyone. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, and it's sad that uh, that had to happen. Um, luckily he still has his daily mail job. I was looking that up before we go, but I don't, this will not, we should not have a podcast that just crucifies a guy just because he has really 
bad no, I'm gonna, morals. No, I'm going to tell you why it could have been better and how he could have, like, saved his ass. Okay. Is, is simply taking responsibility. So, backstory on this guy. And I'm just going to say it, like, as unbiased as I can. Go for it. He's, uh, he's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very suave. He's got mm-hmm. a nice accent. I'll give him that. Um, he's a freelance journalist, mm-hmm. and he caught wind of this story, and he was like one of the first and biggest guys on this story on this scene. Um, so he's being a journalist, and he said in the beginning, he was like, "This story had everything you could want. Like, it has young girl, not girls, young women. It's like in another country. It's." It's, you know, there was this idea that there was some sex game involved. Like, it was juicy. Uh, what did he say? He was like, the only thing it was missing was the Pope or something like that. The Pope like and that. the royal family. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But otherwise, like, this story had any, everything. Which, fine, I can appreciate. There were some interesting things out there. So, but the problem is, is that when you get large media attention on a case, there becomes all of this pressure for whatever town or city to fix it and to solve it and to hold someone accountable. Right. That's my problem with, with the media stuff is like so many cases get big because of the media and then they're done sloppy because of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my issue with him here. And, and we can talk about it more, but basically at the end, he doesn't own up to any of that. He says, I don't think this was a trial by media, um, but maybe I'm biased, but it's like, if you can't see your involvement in that, that is a problem so, for me. So for me, right. So like, and okay, so let's start with this. I, you know, not that I've, I would call myself a journalist anyway, but I interned at a newspaper, right? And so I kind of, I kind of know that feeling of like, there's a story, it's breaking now. We have to get the news as quick as possible. We have to be the first to have it. And I right. get that and I respect that. And I've been there and loved that feeling, that feeling of the hunt, that feeling like, uh, we were on the edge of something, but there was a competing newspaper, and we wanted to be the first. So, like, yeah. that that right away, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. I get how you could feel that. Well, and I'm going to throw in a Cubs thing right here. That final game seven and the whole circumstances, like, that's something that couldn't have been written better. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's a juicy game because it's, like, a juicy story, and it's, like, in terms of telling a plot, you could not ask for better. Right. So, you, so I get that. Right. Here's a similar thing. I right. get that. I also get the idea that, like, you're, you're Nick Pisa, and you are in Perugia. You have an advantage because you speak English and Italian, and you're jumping on leads and trying to get them out as fast as possible. And I can understand how you might be um, tempted to publish things without uh, publish things before you really fact check them, right? And like get them out. Um, but but some of the things he was willing to publish without even a second's thought um, were like beyond reprehensible. The biggest one for me, um, the police lied to um, Amanda Knox and told her while she was in prison that she had HIV. Uh, and Which, she... what the fuck? Right. Oh my God. I I don't even know. if I don't even know. You know? Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, that was my reaction that to that. Was, that. I don't that even was... know. But so, so that happens, and she has a diary in prison because, she, I don't know, she does, uh, and she writes out a list of everyone she's had sex with in her life uh, and whether or not she thought that she had had 
protected sex with them because you know if you find out you have hiv that's like a that's a really normal probably thing next step because you probably have to contact these people and like yeah. whatever um or maybe she was just grieving about the the information she whatever for, for whatever reason that's what she did she made a list um and nick pisa gets a hold of it and instead of saying wow this is like really private information like maybe i shouldn't you maybe you know maybe this isn't right he publishes it right away um on top of the fact that it then comes out that she doesn't have hiv that they were lying about that this whole her whole like backstory becomes like the the whore the you know this this woman who who runs around and has sex with with men all the time and he like perpetuates that that story for the sake of headlines and like for the sake of the attention um but so like that was bad but like the worst part by far is that this towards the end uh he says and i wish i had the exact quote but basically he's like you know what do you want from us like do you want us to we're we're journalists are we should we be expected to hear every fact and and check to make sure that it's true before we publish it and i'm like yes yeah that's exactly what you should do you are describing journalistic integrity there's you that is everyone expects you to have at least that yeah that's when that's when i lost all credit that's when he lost all credibility for me yeah, for me, it's it was it was a matter of ownership. Like, at least admit that you played a part in this and you brought more attention to it than needed to be. Um, so the the other thing that I think is like insane in this whole thing is how awful the crime scene work was. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of nuts that, like, some of that evidence was literally transfer evidence in a freaking lab. Like, I don't know. I don't, like, that's I think, not... <laughs> I, I think we all watch CSI and, the, you know, and Law and & Order and think that, like, that's how it works in the real world. You yeah, know? it's not. That, that one Manic Pixie dream girl... Uh, what's her name? Abby in NCIS gets the the <laughs> evidence and like three seconds later, boop boop boop, she knows who did it. Um, yeah. And like, I also and that's obviously that's not how it works, but I also think that's how like forensic investigators think it works a little bit. Like they they envision themselves yeah. with that kind of precision when they just don't have it. No, I mean, I for a time was was majoring in chemistry with in forensic science Mm -hmm. so like i had to take classes on like how you sweep a crime scene and like different methods that you have to use and like what you look out for with contamination and and sampling different things in the lab together is such a huge no-no because like they're interacting and there's a principle in forensics i think it's called the lacard principle and it says that every single interaction leaves some sort of trace Mm -hmm. no matter what so yeah, when basically the whole thing got overturned based on the fact that their trace evidence was like so trace. Right. I was I was so mad. <laughs> right. Well, and it makes you mad, but it also I mean, it's scary too. DNA is like the thing we all have agreed like you can't fake. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. It, it's it's this thing where it's like we all Everyone wants there to be, like, a truth somewhere, and DNA is the truth we've all agreed on is, like, this is the thing. 
this, and yeah. when it can be wrong, that's fucking terrifying. Um, that's what I'm saying. When it can be wrong and then you rot in prison for the rest of your life, that's terrifying. Yeah, because how many... I can't even keep track. How many years did she do? Like three or four? Um, that sounds right. Um, it may have been that long. I mean, in total, it was like eight years of... Um, um, investigation and uh, conviction and acquittal and conviction and acquittal. Um, but I think she spent four years in Italy. That sounds right. Damn, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I pulled away from this was that I'm never going to go to Italy. Uh, good, good. I think that was the point of it. That is I what, think the, it was that's to... what uh, Donald Trump said we should do. He said we should boycott. And oh, I... when this airs, he might like have disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it could have it could have happened. It could have. We could have um, all just like uh, men in blacked our minds about that. That's actually another th- another thing that I wasn't so much aware about with this move with, with this story before I watched the documentary um, is the mob mentality to which the Italians jumped on Amanda Knox, um, which is crazy to me. I mean, that kind of thing is always crazy to me. The way that like the public gets invested in in murder trials. Um, yeah. It's very Salem witchy. Um, very. Or, I love or, Salem witch trials. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I love all of this kind do. of stuff. Like no, Hollywood like, blacklisting is my favorite. Like, but, but like, yeah. why? Why is it that you know it's 2016 or whenever this took place, 2008, and we still have this community mentality of like finding the evildoers and burning them at the stake, you know? And like, yeah. that's something that we still have coded into us that like we want to watch evil be destroyed from our myths or whatever well it feels good to, to, to like i feel like it's almost a pride thing for your particular town or your particular country like for them to have potentially put away this like 20 year old you know pretty girl from america who's like a psychopath like that would be that would probably feel good for like the ego of your of I guess, but even once the, like, no, I hear you, and I I think you're probably right, but, like, it's, like, once the evidence starts coming in and, like, the thing you thought was true isn't true anymore, like, why do you still hold so fast to it, you know? Yeah, well, I and I was shocked, too, actually, about, like, how long people were holding on to that. Right. Because, so, so they overturned, they overturned her um, conviction based on DNA evidence. However, there was still a case against her in terms of her behavior and how she acted around it. And and uh, they brought that back to the Supreme Court like years later, mm-hmm. like three years later, which is crazy to me. Like someone enough people kept that uh, conviction in their minds that they fought for it for that long for it to actually go to court. Exactly. Like, people were actually obsessed with this being the truth for that long, even though it got overturned through DNA. I, 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 I understand it when it's, um, when it comes from the family a little bit. You know, not, I've never had this situation. But the situation. family was more chill. I don't know. I mean, the mother at the end, like, yeah, she wasn't, like, calling for Amanda's head, but the mother yeah. of the victim was definitely confused and still thought that, she, I'm sure she still thinks Amanda did it. Um, yeah. But I don't know that. Like I kind of, I kind of get. 
just in terms of like you're looking for closure and like you're willing to totally. <sighs> I oh you look you look so distraught. I just think the whole world would be so much better if people didn't kill each other. Also, sure words have never been spoken. What? I don't know. There's so many people I'm angry at in this movie. I'm angry. I'm like subplot. Like Amanda Knox falls in love with this random Italian guy like way too quickly. Um, I but know that, that was. I'm sorry. The girl in me was like, that is so romantic. Oh <laughs> God. I'm sorry. It's true though. It's so cute. No, it's it's cute, but it's like cute for middle schoolers. Like that's not. She was like 20. It's fine. The other it thing too, though. Nice. Okay, so spoiler alert: by the end of the movie, they decide she didn't she didn't commit the murder. If you oh, haven't yes. figured that, if you haven't figured that out by by now, uh, and I so wanted her to turn to the camera and just like look dead in the camera and be like, "But I did it." You know what I mean? Right. Oh God, because she says a couple times in a couple different ways, like you know, people want to. People like are obsessed with monsters or whatever. Like people want to know who the monsters are in their their lives, and and that's so true for me. Like like I have this pathological need to like find the people who are secretly monsters, um, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that's a that's a thing that a lot of people like to do. Yeah. Well, it's like there's it's a little thrilling, I suppose. But it also, like, gives you somewhere to put blame, which is not necessary. I mean... I mean, I think it's you, it's almost... It's, it's beyond thrilling. I think it's, like, um, self-preservation, you know? Yeah. It's, like, the same the same skill that, like, set us, up, set us apart from the humans who died thousands of years ago because they ate the poison fruit. But, like, we were the ones who could tell that one was poison kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, which no, is I feel you. really just putting a, a positive spin on paranoia, but um, it's fine. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe self-preservation. I think it's acceptable. Oh, I'll probably watch this documentary again tonight. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a good one. I think that the story is laid out really well. I think there's a good balance of like interviews and footage. It's you know really, what I mean? It's really pretty. Um, it oh it is really pretty. which like I, I think we can throw that out like um, I'm a fan of documentaries where it's about something serious and they have the subjects look at you dead on like this yeah um, uh, we we recently watched Thirteenth um, I think it got aired probably earlier than this one will um, yes. but Thirteenth is one where they they are never looking at you they're always looking someplace else and that kind of distracts me um, and it but it also kind of feels like like you almost can't trust whoever's speaking when they don't look at you. Um, yeah. But in this movie, everyone looks you dead on, and it's just kind of like you know, this is this is my truth. This is my truth box. Um, yeah. Which is, it's also a little bit like Big Brothery, like reality show confession zone. Um, yeah, but I I think I like that. <laughs> Actually, yeah, but I think I enjoyed that part. <laughs> oh God, I'm so shallow. It's no, fun. that's good. It's. It's stylistic. It's an artistic preference. That's right, it is. Yes. <sighs> Mana Knox. Also, she's got a good murderous name. I thought about that. Yeah. Like, I don't think, besides the fact that I'm not a pretty blonde girl, like, I don't think this could happen to me, 
because like the Jason Kasman story isn't as like fun to <laughs> to put on a newspaper. No, but J.K. is fun to mess with. Mm. The J.K. Like, killer. He did it, J.K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comedy. Good. I'm saying. Uh, did you pick this one? I picked Amanda Knox. It's your pick for next week. Oh, buckle in. Oh, boy. Okay, so my good friend Johnny has enlightened me that my favorite drag documentary is no longer on Netflix, but it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's called Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. It is so good. I'm so excited. Okay. It's about, like, the 80s, 90s, like, ball scene in New York City. And it is fierce. It is fabulous. If you follow RuPaul's Drag Race, they, they talk like these people still. It's amazing. I'm very excited for you to watch can it. I, can I be honest with you? Like, my, yes. my knowledge or understanding of drag culture is so limited. You are gonna learn so much. This is like this is like drag for dummies. Boom. They're gonna they're gonna walk you through what a house is. I'm probably gonna talk real sassy next week. <laughs> it's no, I really feel like I'm gonna have like a a, a new uh, voice going. So uh, I'm ready. It's gonna be like Listen, probably this is, like this. this is this is what this podcast is about. It's about watching house. documentaries and not discriminating. Um, against documentaries or people, I'm but uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. It's I'm gonna be great. Uh, what's I, our, I, uh, what's your line? Yeah, uh, well, it's obviously an Amanda Knox quote. Uh, good. She uh, looks you dead in the soul. She looks you right in the eyes, and she says, <clears throat> "I'm either a documentary in sheep's clothing, or I'm a podcast." Whoa. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, yeah! Nailed it. <sighs> God, I need a shower. Okay. Bye. <laughs>